Peak Performance Plus presents the Summit Club Podcast, your business roundtable discussion for sales and business leaders with your host, Bill Stats. Hi, and welcome to the Summit Club, a business roundtable. I'm your host, Bill Stats, and I'm with our Summit Club team, Rick Feinblatt. Hi, Rick. Hey, Bill. John Thane. Hi, JT. Good to be here with everybody. <laughs> and John Nevickens. Hi, John. Hey, hey, how's everybody? As we typically do, our conversations around a current business subject or a book of some significance, or in some cases, an interview with a guest contributor. Today, we're going to be discussing challenges in recovering from the effects of the pandemic with three business leaders, Kip Kaler from Russell Roofing, Rod Martin from Martin Stone Quarries, and last but not least, Mike Stefano from the professional firm of Stefano Slack. Welcome, gentlemen. Rod, let's start with you. Good morning. It's Rod Martin. I'm uh, one of the third generation owners of Martin Stone Quarries. We're located at uh, Bechtelsville, Pennsylvania. Our quarry's been in business since 1953. Uh, before that, before our family took over, there was a family quarry here since the late 1800s. It's an exciting time. We're kind of getting through this pandemic like everybody else and excited to hear how others are dealing with it. What, what kind of business specifically, Rod? Who, who do you service? Our, our biggest, biggest uh, customers are construction companies. Construction, blacktop, concrete. Uh, we do sell to homeowners, but our, the majority of our customers are large-scale construction companies. Great. So, Kip, you want to fill us in about Russell Roofing? Uh, my dad started in the roofing trade in 1939. Uh, I started uh, Russell Roofing in 1992. We're a certified contractor that really handles the whole exterior envelope of a building and anything within the roofing trade. So whether it's shingles, wood, slate, asphalt, all your commercial applications, my men are all fully insured, background check, drug screening, uh, defensive driving. We're kind of a belt and suspender operation. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Well, so uh, Thomas Black is a middle market accounting firm. Uh, we represent companies anywhere from uh, $25 million a year, uh, up to a couple hundred million dollars a year. We prepare their financial statements for the banks, third parties. We have a high, high net worth tax practice, and we do obviously their, the, the company's ta compliance tax work as well. And uh, you know, look forward to hearing what everybody has to say this morning. That's great. So if, if we're laying the question out about how you see this recovery from the pandemic, who wants to start and give us give us some uh, overview, some some view, some perspective from your world about where what we're up against? I'll I'll jump in, Bill. So we uh, our firm, our client base really represents the uh, tri-state area: Philadelphia, South Jersey, Delaware, and we'll go a little bit further north and a little bit further south. But over the last two years, most of, if not all, of our clients had really the best years they've ever had. Uh, really good years, really strong, great cash flow. Uh, it, it was a, it was tremendous. The first quarter also started out very strong. All of our clients had a great first quarter up until about March 15th, and then, bam, the world came to an end. Everything stopped, um, and for the first really 30 days there, from really March to April 15th, from our perspective and from the clients that I was working with. Uh, they started to get back to what they call the new norm. It's been an interesting ride, but I don't. I I really believe that if there are clients and have these great 
two years in first quarter, uh, there'd be there'd be blood in the streets right now. It would be it would be horrible. I think it's bad, but I really believe that you know people are moving forward. What do you think, guys? Uh, I'm glad that Mike led off because he has a, a more global perspective than me as a an individual contractor. He's got his fingers into a lot of different companies and uh, of good size. And I concur with him that if we did not have the last couple of years running up to this pandemic as strong, uh, 2019 was our best year in our entire company's history and the most profitable one. And yeah, we're adjusting to the our perception of what the new norm is. I think it's going to be maybe till the end of the year till we really have a real clear understanding what is the new norm uh, where we used to have meetings in house once a week it's now going to be once a month uh, our attitude is it's probably going to add higher productivity uh, because then we're taking away that drive time and office time where people can be more productively whether they're at their desk at home or out meeting and, and, and dealing with clients in the field rod you bring up a good point that i want to ask everybody with many people working from home they're saving that half hour, hour, however long it is on the drive time. So there's an extra, let's say two hours almost in everybody's day. Now, whether that's spent actually working or just getting their own stuff together outside of work, it's another story. How is that helping or affecting the three of you and your businesses where everybody's able to work remote versus being hands on deck? I'll jump in. I mean, the majority of my workforce, we have 65 employees, I'd say, 60 of them are still at the site. I mean, just driving trucks, loaders. I mean, that's obviously can't be remote. We have two office people, a purchasing person and a uh, accounting accounts payable person who is working remote right now. And they're going to be coming back soon just because it's more efficient having them here. My sales guy is on the road most of the time anyway. So he's in the office a little less than usual, but not much. So, I mean, we're just, we're kind of just going on almost business as usual, just because we don't have that many office people. I mean, we never really slowed down too much. We were allowed to keep working the entire time. We slowed down for two or three weeks when Pennsylvania construction was shut down. And then as soon as that came, it was floodgates wide open. We have record day after record day. So a lot of our business is going into the warehousing warehousing being built up in the Alberta's Mukunji area. And we anticipate that's actually going to get busier. I mean, they're not, there's going to be more and more online shipping. There's going to be less warehouses or less malls and more warehousing needed. So we're gearing up to, I mean, we're getting ready to hire people, add more capital equipment. So we're ready to rock and roll. And that's great. Two or two or three people that are working remote, we're getting them back in. So do you think it's pent up demand, Rod, or do you think it's just kind of getting back to the pace of play that you were at before this whole thing hit? Uh, I think it's probably just getting back. I mean, like I said, Pennsylvania lost a month because they shut down all construction for the entire month. So, I mean, our surrounding states didn't. Our customers in New Jersey were actually got busier because they were able to get more work done due to traffic being that much less. Pennsylvania lost a month and all these jobs, they still have deadlines that they need to be completed by. So they're just running like mad. Like I said, we're fortunate that, you know, we're in a space where we can hit all the big million, million and a half square foot warehouses being built. So we're just supplying all them. You know, I'll jump in uh, on this as well. The thing that I see, John, is, you know, our workforce is completely remote. So give a little background, a quick, quick background, quick story. 
when we started the firm, it was, I wanted to make sure that we could always work because I was always worried about that it's going to snow in Philadelphia. Well, it doesn't snow anymore. Um, <laughs> so our firm was always able to, to work remotely. So when we were shut down, we went immediately to, to work to outsource and, and uh, working remotely. What I'm finding and what I see is that there's a lot of fatigue uh, from my staff from working at home because especially in the younger guys and gals, because they don't know how to stop working, right? They don't know how to separate themselves. They're always in the office. And so that drive time really was a little bit of decompression to and from the office. And now, you know, these guys wake up, they, you know, they're, they're, they're young men and women. They have apartments. They don't have houses. They don't have specific offices. So they get up and they go into their kitchen and then they're working. And, you know, I, get, I see these guys working to seven, eight o'clock at night. Now, are they being as efficient? Definitely not being as efficient, but there, you can definitely see there's a drive for our guys to get back into the office as soon as possible. They don't want to be working from home any, any longer than they have to. It's funny you say that because, Jane, I remember Marion, we, we did a program on the, on the whole leadership issue in, in uh, the pandemic situation. And she was saying the younger people really, the, they struggle the most with this because they don't know how to do it. You know, they, it, it seems like it's never ending. Jane has talked about that as well. It's just you have kids and they're home and you're home or whatever. It's not easy. Yeah, it, it's interesting, Mike, you mentioned that decompression time. Like that's really, it's a, it's a real thing. You get in the car and whether it's a half hour or however long it is, it's just, it's just you <laughs> and that's it. And it's once you walk in that front door, everything changes. And it's funny, Mike, uh, many years I had an office in New York. So I had an hour and a half train ride in each direction and had that natural decompression. Well, I guess it was in the nineties. I was able to work from home. And to your point, it was challenging. I had a young child at the time. I was doing business in China, just 11 to 12 hours ahead, depending on the season. So I could answer faxes, emails, phone calls, pretty much 24 hours a day and had no natural start and stop to my day. You know, when I should have been sleeping, China was in business, so I always took the phone call. Yep. And I think if anything, we may need to counsel people on how to have a proper balance when they work at home and make sure that they're exercising, they're getting those natural breaks in their day and uh, it, it, it'll, actually improve their productivity to your point. John, it's funny. I mean, uh, we, I stayed in the office because I, I could, it was quick. It was five minutes. Uh, and I, I had three college kids at home who were sleeping all day. So I was, I had to get out. Um, but I would, uh, we have a call every week. We have a call every week. And part of the call I talk to these guys about is get outside. If it's a sunny day, go take a walk, do something. It sucks the life out of you sitting in front of the computer and, 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 and working all day. It's really, a, it's, a, it's an issue that we're going to have to deal with as we go along. How many people do you have now, Mike? Uh, we're, well, we, we had 65. Uh, we let about 10 go primarily on the administrative side at the start of the March 15th, the pandemic. And then we've hired five of them back. The other thing that's, that's really interesting, and I know you guys might be a little bit different, but from my point of view, we have two offices. We have an office in Wilmington and an office in Wayne. And uh, the amount of space that we have today is probably 50% more than I need. And <laughs> it's, 
So we're really struggling with what we're going to do over the next two, three years in terms of space, whether we, how we bring people back, when we bring people back, where we bring people back. We had five administrative people, two people answering the phones, two people. And, you know, we realized with technology, we didn't need them. And we might not hire these people back. It's a shame. We feel bad. But, you know, we were spending, you know, five, six people. And the reality of it is we didn't need them. And that's another big thing. That and office space, administrative people and office space are going to be a big deal moving forward. Mike, I remember when you took the whole floor. That was only a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You we were, we were bursting at the seams, Bill. We, we, we couldn't find, we didn't have another seat in the office. We were bursting at the seams. And now there's literally, there's seven people in the office and everybody working remotely. This is not a great impact on uh, commercial real estate, I don't think, down the road for the reasons you just mentioned, Mike. Yeah, we're, we were just talking, we supplied Stone to a big job down on 422, big investment company that just built a huge office. We know people that work there, they said they're not going back to work for a year. And they spent <laughs> just a ton of money on just this monster office and they're not wow. going back for a year. Everybody's working from home. Wow. Kip, uh, it's gonna it's kind of tough for your guys to work at home. I would think <laughs> being in the roofing trade. Uh, how has it affected your back office and your, your frontline trades? We have uh, five people in the administrative end of our business, uh, and most of that they could handle from at home. There's a office manager, a receptionist, a bookkeeper. Uh, we've got uh, nine estimators out in the field. They can work remotely. What I have found is my senior players really come into the office no matter what. Uh, there's just this habit that they need to go, and they were shut out. We kept them out for a month. We were shut down. We didn't open back up until uh, Monday, May 4th. So we shut down on March 15th, thinking it would be open up beginning of April. Uh, the crews, absolutely, our production crews, uh, we were very limited. We could close out jobs that were in progress, and uh, we were allowed to do emergency repairs on essential businesses. So that is uh, an interesting transition we're in. Uh, how this is going to move forward and how we're doing it because it's a challenge in construction. Uh, how do you keep uh, social distance? How do you keep six feet away from another guy uh, in, in, in what we're doing? Washing hands. We can keep sanitizer up in our construction bases, but there's a lot of practices that uh, hopefully in a couple of months become less necessary than what they are right now. Interesting. Interesting. Do you, I guess, do you find when it, when it comes to safe practices, obviously social distancing is tough, hand washing is tough. Is there special equipment that you have to have your tradesmen? Uh, number one, we only allow one man in a truck, so there's more usage of vehicles. Uh, and the, the, the laborers and uh, junior mechanics are driving their own vehicles or have to meet at the job site. We're no longer allowing other guys. Uh, it's a challenge also staying in compliance with OSHA and OSHA regs and, and the safety protocols because they really want a wash station up on the roof. Uh, and that's not uh, feasible at this point in time. Uh, somebody will probably invent something soon and practical, but it, it's not an available thing. I have not been in my business full time for the best part of six months. I've been fortunate enough to have a house down the shore and this came in, I am that target audience, uh, those that are 70 and above. 
Uh, fortunately, my wife uh, and my son, my oldest son, are in the business, and therefore there's good communications and applications. Uh, but to the previous conversations that specifically Mike was talking about his people, I found that happening to me where I have my agenda to go do it. And sometime the time just vaporizes because I'm not cognizant of the clock as much as staying on my projects. And sometimes I get a little more detailed than probably it needs, be a little more fastidious about it. And uh, I look up and yet yeah, seven o'clock at night and I haven't had dinner yet. Uh, but it works. It's modern technology, remote desktops, uh, FaceTime, Zoom meetings. Uh, there's a lot of ways to stay in touch and stay in communication. Well, I think it's interesting knowing all three of you guys to some degree that you're all, at least for me, are, are all really pretty well organized, whether it's organized with your work or organized with your life balance, and you get a lot, a lot done. So. Um, have you changed anything that you do in managing yourself right now, whether it's um, because you're playing different roles than normal or because of the pace of business? And in Rod's case, it sounds like it's a rocket ride. You and Tesla, you're just SpaceX going, going for it, you know? The thing that I hear, I don't know about you guys, is the talent thing, Kip, are you going to be able to get all your mechanics back or are they loving life on unemployment? And for Mike, uh, you know, you're hiring some back and some not. And does it affect at all that maybe these kids coming out of college aren't even getting looked at or for Rod, are you going to be able to find people in this environment? Uh, I mean, I, I'm not as concerned. I mean, I think this might, actually help us because I mean unfortunately other people had to let people go and if we're hiring there's probably a bigger pool to hire from I mean that was our biggest issue last year was finding good people and you can find people but finding somebody who's we're going to put somebody behind the wheel of a half million dollar truck you don't want just some guy off the street who doesn't really have a clue or doesn't <laughs> care so you know having 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 a bigger pool out there is probably better for us and like I said I mean we didn't I didn't haven't changed a whole lot with, with my life other than when I go home at lunch now, everybody's there. Wife, both kids, it's like, what the world is going on? So it's kind of harder to get out of there in the normal time, end up sticking around for a little bit longer. But then the same thing, working, you know, sitting at TV, watching TV, 8 o'clock at night, doing emails and stuff like that. So it's hasn't changed much other than there's more people around when you go home in the middle of the day, which is odd. Guys, let me ask you in terms of the, uh, the work-life balance for everything, are you noticing that your clients are doing more outside of the traditional nine to five, Monday to Friday? Like there's, so that's dithering itself as everybody's blurring the lines of, you know, there's no sense of time anymore. For, for me and our clients, absolutely. I mean, you know, we're, we're getting, I'm getting emails and text messages at seven, eight o'clock at night, Saturdays, Sundays, uh, for that specific reason, John, there is no, there is no beginning and no end to, a, to the workday now. Mm -hmm. So people are just coming home or, or being home and saying, hey, I, I didn't get to that. You know, I, I, I took an hour off as, for lunch or an hour and a half at lunch um, and, and, and they're moving forward. You know, the thing that's, uh, I, I want to agree with Rod, um, you know, the talent issue for us is, is going to be significant because the younger guys, the kids coming out of school, don't have those jobs. There's probably been, we know of at least two or three, maybe four young guys that had job offers, offers from a E&Y or a Pricewaterhouse or a Deloitte or Grant. And um, those, those offers have been rescinded. 
So they pull back on those offers for these guys. So we're, 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 we're trying to recruit them pretty heavily. On, on our side, specifically for me, you know, our business, since it starts and, you know, we have a beginning, really a beginning and an end date from January 1st to April 15th, and then we kind of slide off. That's just been expanded. Um, so everything's been pushed to July. The thing that's, that's really killing us is we're, we're really struggling with the business development side. And, and what do we do and how do we do it? Um, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you give things to people? How do you get things from people? How do you do business development? Because, you know, you're not going to lunch. I'm not playing golf. Um, you know, you're not having these, uh, these, uh, these meetings outside of the office for drinks at five o'clock. Um, it's an, it's going to be an interesting play. Um, and, and we're really working for working through that. And it's not, it's, I don't see an easy way around it. Yeah, we're, we're definitely seeing that type of thing. I mean, my salesman that's on the road, he's not allowed to stop at job sites. I mean, all the contractors COVID plans say no unauthorized or unrequested on people on the site. So he's basically stopping at the side of the road, looking at the site, trying to gauge how far along they are. You know, and the foreman on the site, you know, they'll take phone calls, but it's not, you don't get near the details when you can go and you, they can point out, you know, we're doing this, this, and this, we have this much to do. It, it makes it tough for him to get a gauge of what's, what's coming up next. So that's definitely in play on our end too. Hey Kip, you're, you do an awful lot of residential, but you also do historical and stuff like that. I mean, what's happening or will be happening to your customer base? Are there people that are fearful of spending investing in their home stuff right now or the charities and nonprofits are reluctant to spend money to restore historic things? That's a good question, Bill. But to take a step back to the previous question, all my guys are back in with the exception of three. One has to take care of a child and he is a good mechanic. He's been with me for 14 years. And two other guys were iffy guys to begin with. I'd love to have them back in. I got the workload, but the rank and file are grateful to come in and get out of the house and get back to work. Uh, we had a banner week last week, wrote up 29 new contracts. Uh, most of them were uh, residential, a couple churches, uh, but it's interesting talking to a senior estimator. Uh, we usually get jobs released from colleges right now. Last year we completed a million dollar plus project at Swarthmore College. And some of these schools have some pretty good endowments. They're pointing purse strings in. So it's interesting what we're seeing in certain areas, but I think it's premature. Uh, I, I, I would like to see where the market's going to be this fall. One of my estimators says I, people weren't in the position to go out and spend money. So they may have that sitting there and they may also be looking, well, we're thinking about moving, but we're not now. So we're going to do what, was, what we were going to leave for somebody else to do. I don't know what's going on clearly in the market, but hearing what the other men are saying, uh, it's very encouraging. I just am guarded uh, with what the government's doing. Uh, when you start releasing hundreds of billions of dollars, uh, we're going to have to pay for that. Uh, and how does that impact down the line? I do agree, and I hope it's accurate in the sense that I ought to be able to hire better quality people as we move forward. Because some of the guys, I'm sure their boats went down. If, if this happened to me in my fifth year or earlier of my own business, there's a good chance I would not be in business today. So it's, I don't know, Bill, to answer your question directly. All I know is we had a great week last week. There's a lot of 
promises. We expect another huge week this week. Time will be the judge. You know, it's interesting. We, we, we keep talking about the new one beyond the new normal, and now it's the next normal because it seems to change on a pretty regular basis. My background is in food service and retail, and both of those businesses have been dramatically affected and are constantly subject to updates as it relates to how you can safely operate your business. I'd be curious with each of you to hear what's the next normal? What, what's your business gonna look like going forward? What are the changes gonna be? And, and what, are, what are the prospects? What are you gonna have to deal with to run your business in the future? Kip, I'm thinking about you only because I see your signs all over town, so. <laughs> uh, I wish I knew. Uh, fortunately, that uh, I'm in a transitional period of my life. I feel I'll, I'll be active for another five, ten years, but remotely. So, having a banner year, we rebuilt our warehouse. We put in clear stories, all lighting, all new. Rebuilt our offices. I had the offices completely gutted for the new guys that are coming in to attract the young talent, and we've done that. So the, the staff and the, the organization has the best personnel it's ever had in its history. I'm, you know, this, I'm kind of playing it by ear. I don't know. I'm grateful that when we open back up that the people are buying us consistently. Our phone is ringing. Uh, we had approximately 100 contacts in April. We had over 100 contacts the first week of May. So that there is a transition taking place. Uh, Maybe the president's right. Maybe the last quarter of this year will be back to uh, the train running on the tracks just like it was in 2019. Uh, how we're going to operate the business, I think, is pretty similar to the way we are right now. A lot of remote uh, guys, the estimators will only come in on a need to go basis. Uh, my safety coordinator, contract administrator, those guys will be in-house. Uh, production's going to have to be one way that I described earlier. One man in a truck, everybody else meeting at the job site. And we'll just have to progressively go forward to see what, what is going to be the accepted practices and standards. I joined a, a, a captured insurance program about 12 years ago because there's OSHA rules and regulations that compromise us. They're not safer, but they're mandates. And I know I needed to be bridled. And I know I needed to have blinders put on so I could look down and do what was appropriate by law. So uh, in and of that, I'm in association with different organizations. And a lot of guys are, are, are doing very well. We'll see how this just shakes out. Interesting. What, what's great about uh, the group that we have today, we've got a Kip, you're in the uh, construction trade. Mike, you're in the professional trade. And Rod, you're, a, you're in the supply side. <laughs> so you guys have different perspectives. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, Mike, how do you... How do you think the next normal is going to affect your business? It's really going to affect it a number of ways. We're going to have to be a lot smarter in terms of how we how how do we compete in the marketplace. Um, we're going to be a lot. We're going to need to be a lot smarter in terms of how do we generate new business. I think if if things continue to move more on a virtual basis, it's going to change how we do things. You know, considering if just on the tax side historically people would bring their stuff in, give it to us, we prepare it and send it, send them out a paper copy. Today, they upload it on a portal. We do the return electronically, you know, do all the work, and then we send it back to them in the portal. So there's no personal interaction, which is kind of, it's good, 
because you need less people. It's bad because there's less of a hook. The next step is on the audits. And as the audit practice or the financial statement practice moves more to virtual, we're going to lose that interaction with our clients uh, because they don't want us in their offices. They, they, they want us to be away. So they want it to be virtual. So if I'm smart, I try to figure out how to do that on a larger size, a larger basis. But the question is going to be, how do you get to those people? So it's going to be an interesting run over the next really three to six months to see if we get back to, you know, where we were a year ago. People are allowed in the office and things get back to the, the normal. If people get comfortable with doing things virtually, it's going to be interesting. It's going to really change the game because the ability to generate clients for us, it's always been high touch, guerrilla marketing in front of people, you know, that personal touch. If it moves to just an all virtual world, we're going to have to change our, our, our game plan. Let, let me just pretend for a second. It's just Stefano and I, and I'm saying to Mike, well, so let me ask you a question. Do your clients use Zoom or BlueJean or go to meetings or whatever? I mean, are you doing a lot of virtual stuff with your people at home right now with their clients? Or is it just computer? We do, yeah. For our larger clients, yes, we, we are. We're doing Zoom meetings. We're doing interaction. Um, but I, I, my personal opinion is I think people are kind of getting uh, a little zoomed out, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I think people find it is, is really intrusive. Um, you know, you're not, you're not having a conversation with them on the phone. You're having a conversation with them in their house. Yep. You know, you're having a conversation with them in their, in their kitchen. A uh, big difference. I really see it as, as, an, interesting, as an interesting game. Well, yeah, and because on one hand, it gives you another value issue in that if you have someone, if you're dealing with mid, small to mid-tier companies, you have someone in your staff that has a technology background can help your clients <laughs> with areas that they never needed help before because they weren't using this tool. And if the new normal is more people are using this tool, they're going to be using it with other people other than you and be stuck. So... It just seems like God giveth and God taketh away. And it's, it's, I, I'm with you trying to figure out in my business, how the hell do you not have, Kip and I have known each other. We were kids in Winmore together, believe it or not. I mean, I've known him forever. And how many times doing workshops with your salespeople and, and being uh, in the Timberland boondockers that John, John Thane sourced from China or whatever, meeting with your foreman and stuff. I mean, always face to face with, with Rod Martin up in Bechtelsville meeting with his team. And now all of a sudden it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and you know what? Probably not going to go back that way either. Why, why would we do that? So for us, the conversations we have before you guys jump on are, let's pretend we do, Rick and I do a sales program or a sales leadership program, and we have half a dozen guests, half a dozen sales managers, whatever, interactive, like a workshop. They, they go away with a plan, we record it, we put it on the website. It's a whole different world. Does it work as well as the other one? I don't know. I mean, it works differently, but we're all trying to fig figure it out. And for Kip, what do you do when a lady won't let you in the house anymore because she's afraid of the second wave? It's like, well, 
I need to go in the attic. It's like, not in my attic, you're not. Maybe Rod has got the best shot at seeing the future. Maybe the, the, the telescope is a little hazy, but you still got earth movers and there's not a whole lot of fraternization down in the bottom of the mine or the, or the quarry or whatever, but. Yeah, I mean, we're we're lucky that way. I mean, all most of our guys are in a singular piece of equipment by themselves. I mean, you run a loader, you're in that same loader all day. Nobody's sitting with you. I mean, the toughest part's going to be training new people. Like if I hire somebody to run a loader, the jump seat that he trains in is literally a foot away from the main seat. So that's going to, you know, there's online trainers, Cat, Caterpillar, Volvo. They all have all these online tools you can use, but it's not the same as sitting in a couple hundred thousand pound piece of machinery getting the feel for it as opposed to sitting in a trailer with a little joystick it's totally different you so, know i mean that that's one of the keys right there i think is the training issue because whether it's mike with with new potential could be a manager could be a senior bringing them in out of college well you can't sit side by side anymore anymore or kip saying to a guy you got to work with Harry now. And it's like, yeah, but I can't, I don't, I can't see what he's doing. I'm six feet away. How do I, I'm, I'm trying to see how he's doing the flashing or he's doing the copper or whatever. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're experiencing it right now. My son's a freshman in college. He comes and works in a quarry in the summer. I normally just throw him out with the guys and say, Hey, go learn. You know, that's how you're going to learn by sitting alongside of them. Can't sit alongside of them. I have to drive him down into the pit when he's working with somebody, when he's done, he calls me. I have to drive down and pick him up and bring him up top again. Because they don't want, you know, don't want them sitting in the same vehicle. I mean, our guys probably wouldn't care, but you don't want to do it, you know. Especially him being the son of an owner, he's got to set an example. So it's it's tough, but the training part is very tough. One, one change we have noticed on job sites, when we deliver two job sites, nobody wants tickets anymore. The truck comes across a scale, we used to give him three tickets. He would keep one, the customer would get one, he'd get one signed and bring it back to us. Nobody wants tickets. So now all the ticketing companies are, everything's going online. Truck comes across a scale, boom, we send a ticket electronically to his cell phone. And when he gets to the job site, he shows a customer. The customer logs into the app on his end and accepts the ticket. That way nobody's handing tickets back and forth. And that's one thing we've noticed on our end that's cumbersome. It's trying to work through it because all the ticketing software companies had been thinking about it, but now this is pushing them all to have to do it. So... There's, we've assuming there's going to be many errors, but it's just something we need to work through because we, we talked to a customer and they said, you know, they kind of walked us through the process and it was eye opening. You know, my waymaster prints a ticket. He hands it to the driver. That's two people touch it. Driver gets to the job site. He hands it to the foreman on the job site. He touches it. He hands it to the project manager. He touches it. Who hands it to somebody in the office until it finally gets it accounts payable. It's like seven different people that could have touched this ticket. And whether the virus lives on the ticket or not, nobody wants to take the risk. It's interesting. It seems that uh, the technology for us to work remotely or more efficiently has been there for quite a while. And I'll, I'll take the blame on this. Being an older guy, I think maybe we've resisted some of the technology that's out there. And this pandemic has actually forced us to take advantage of things that will actually make us more efficient. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, we've said, you know, paper tickets are just ridiculous. I mean, we do 600 truckloads a day. Each one of those we would print three tickets for, three individual tickets. That's 1,800 tickets a day. If we can cut that even, cut it down to one ticket a day, just the amount of money we're going to save on printing in tickets is ridiculous. 
<laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, I, th I think that uh, because we're forced to do this, uh, for, for years I've said people uh, who've worked with me have wanted to work remotely. And, and to some degree I've resisted it because if I let you work remotely, then I've got 10 other people I have to let work remotely. But because we've had to do it, we, we found out that there are some things that make all of our businesses more efficient. But I, I can't imagine when it's okay for people to sit down with one another that it's to some degree, it's not going to re return to that. I mean, being in sales all my life, uh, not being able to sit across uh, from a, a, a prospect and talk to him face to face or go out to lunch with somebody. I mean, that's just such an important part of a business. I think Mike, as Mike, Mike was saying that um, I, I, I really would like to believe at some point when it's safe that we're going to, we're going to get back to that, but we're going to have some efficiencies that we picked up along the way that are going to make business better because we've been forced to do them. Yeah, we're doing that today. Me and my son are actually taking one of our, grabbing him out of the quarry lunch. We're taking one of our largest truckers out to go golfing. We're yeah. each, each going to have to ride in their own golf cart, but mm -hmm. at least we'll be outside. <laughs> yeah. It's not funny, but the interesting thing, I think, go back to some of us, go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs from like Neanderthals, and you just look at what human beings gravitate toward and you know the physiological stuff where you can't freeze to death and whatever and then and then the safety thing where you don't want to get eaten or killed by something but but the next step in the hierarchy is community i mean human beings strive to connect with other human beings i mean it's just part of our nature if you will and to think that you know i looked at the uh, astronauts getting ready to they all look like the old flash gordon things kept that we used to they, their, their suits even look goofy and i'm trying not to say am i so old that i can't take technology that the suits aren't what they were when they went to the moon with i think human beings are always going to want to have that sense of community and connect with other people to Rick's point. you know what, Bill, i mean like it, uh you know prior to all this we would meet for a cup of coffee to talk about whatever we needed to talk about i would never or you would never go why don't we just do a zoom call because I'm not sure what time you are. But you know what? Now, because we've done it, if you don't have a lot of time, rather than drive a half hour and a half hour back, we would probably just go, let's just do a Zoom today because we're both short of time. But I, but I, I but still would prefer a meeting in person, even with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe the new normal for Mike Stefano in a professional company is somewhere in the middle where the efficiency's there for people that he's got a client in uh, – and Maple Shade, New Jersey, or yeah. whatever, and it's like, ugh, you got time back and forth. So maybe there's something in the middle where, you know, sometimes we will get together face to face, and other times we're gonna use some of the technology to get the job done in spite of the distance and everything. Just Makes hard to imagine great. Kip's business where you're gonna teach again. I don't know why I just keep looking at particular business as, boy, if you don't know what you're doing, not that the quarry industry isn't dangerous. And Mike's business is dangerous for the customer if you don't know what you're doing. But for Kip, I mean, it's, you fall, you, I mean, you've got reportables and all kinds of things can happen because people just take one shortcut. You're right, Bill. Uh, but there's been a lot of technology uh, coming into all of our trades. Uh, we have a, a product called Hover 360 where you take eight pictures of the property, every profile in every corner, and within a day, we have a 3D model that you can spin and change anything on the house. And it gives you all accurate measurements, whether it's windows, doors, roofing, gutters, sidewall areas. 
you can change it from clapboard to stone to brick, uh, any color roofing, any type of roofing. Uh, with modern technology, most people do have smartphones. So my hope is that we can get them to go up into their attic and shoot a video or live time, FaceTime or Zoom uh, and have us virtually walk through their properties. We have drones that we can do uh, 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 certain aspects of the job there. There's a lot of things that we've been working with. Matter of fact, we're in another transition, changing some of our software in-house that's going to hopefully help us be uh, more accurate in our communication across the board, most importantly to our customer, uh, because the larger we grow, uh, not like Rod where there's 600 trucks going out every day, there's a lot of communications, I'm sure, in that logistics. But to keep everybody, we get a foul weather day, and all at once we have 200 jobs that have to be rescheduled because everything moves out. And how do you communicate that to all those customers and keep things uh, organized in the format that everybody's in the know? It's a question mark. Uh, we're working on it and we got a lot of things at play. And fortunately, we got also a very young, talented staff that is, is involved and, and excited about what we're doing. So if, if we were at this point to say, for each perspective from you, Kip, you, Rod, and, and you, Mike, what would be the, the one thing that you're gonna be thinking about the most when, not just when you leave our virtual business leaders roundtable, but going forward short term, what's the main challenge that you see that you're going to be paying attention to right now? For us, it's going to be client engagement. You know, how, how do we, how do we keep those clients engaged? How do we do, you know, these zoom calls? How do we, you know, we touch base with them. And number two is how do we, at the end of the day, how do we generate new business? Uh, and that's, that to me is is really going to be the uh, the key to this whole thing. How do we get out in front of people? That that's that's my that's my entire my entire focus is is on those two things. Do we have any idea at this point how people might buy differently going forward? Not me. Not right now. I think that's a real question mark, at least for a lot of people right now. How the heck when this thing settles down? How are they going to buy? Whether it's Rick's background in radio or or the training piece or the construction piece or the home improvement and roofing. And it just seems like how are people going to settle on how they're going to buy? And are they going back? How far back will they go to the way they used to do it? Well, to answer the question, the first question you asked, Bill, and it's been my highest priority for a period of time now, uh, is number one is protecting the reputation of the company. We're a referral-based company. Uh, you alluded to doing historic restorations. We worked on over 200 nationally historically registered properties. We worked with the White House in Washington, D.C. So to protect that reputation is for, for my main focus. In and of a, a reputation is really the relationship. And the key to the relationship is integrity. And how do you instill that within your people so that it resonates out to our customer? Uh, there's a lot of technology. I'm not clear how that's going to resonate on our website. We're an educational type of company. We've got 22 training videos that customers can drill down into. I think we're going to have to expand that. I think we're going to have to really get detailed packages of different details so the customer can, they want to educate themselves. People go to Google first uh, before they pick up a book. They'll go to a YouTube video first before they'll read directions. 
So there's a lot of things that we can do to help uh, facilitate how the consumer has changed in how they buy. And that's kind of what I'm looking at. Unfortunately, my son's my junior by many, many years and uh, very congruent with, with that. And, and hopefully we these pieces just put together. Yeah, I think, I mean, the biggest thing I'm thinking about as we go forward is what we talked about before is just how are we going to train the next generation of workers we have out in, the, out in our field. And the sales are going to, they're going to continue to happen. I mean, roads continue to need to be built. Warehouses are going to be built. I'm not as concerned about that as I am. How are we going to train the next guys out in the quarry running that equipment if we can't have people side by side at some point? Because we had plans to hire a few people this year and now we don't know I can hire them all, but they're all just going to be pushing shovels for this next couple of months, and that doesn't pay. Well, I'd really like to thank each one of our guest business leaders today for participating in this roundtable. Kip Kaler from Russell Roofing, Rod Martin from Martin Stone Quarries, Mike Stefano from Stefano Slack. Um, thanks for listening today. Don't forget to check out the summitclubpodcast.com website. For other episodes covering a variety of business issues and ideas, keep in mind that the Roundtable provides business consulting services. Just a thought for the day. Anyway, in life, you're either the person holding the cups or the person with their mouth open. So I think in our case, we're a lot of people holding the cups, and that's a good thing. For myself, Rick, JT, John, and our guests, Rod, Kip, and Mike, here's to your climb to the summit. To learn more about the Summit Club podcast, please find us online at www.summitclubpodcast.com. The Summit Club podcast is recorded and produced by Inertia Marketing and Design, a full-service marketing, digital, and graphic communications agency. You can find them at www.inertia.marketing. Thanks for listening to the Summit Club podcast, and we'll see you at the top.